for today's challenge question. What are you willing to do to bring the one? What are you willing to do, Elevate? What are you willing? Turn your Bibles to um, Luke chapter 15. Amen, amen. Okay, and as I read the, the next three parables, and you, you guys know what parables are? Parables are, are brief symbolic stories that teach a lesson or make a point, okay? So, like, you're going you're gonna, to uh, hear Jesus speak. It's going to sound a little funny. It's going to be it's like a story, but each story has a point and has a method to it, and there, there's a reasoning behind it, okay? So, as I read the next three uh, parables, I want you to mark in your Bibles or take notes in uh, certain verses, okay? If you like to take notes in your Bible, then I want you to highlight or or note, underline, whatever it is uh, that you do in your Bibles, these specific verses, or you could just um, note them down on a piece of paper, okay? That's not not your style. So, Luke chapter 15, let's go ahead and go to uh, verse 1. What, What is the parable called? Say it one more time. The parable of the lost sheep. Verse 1. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He eats with them. You see, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the Pharisees are like super duper religious people. Somebody say super duper religious people. <laughs> okay, where they where they just believe like just crazy stuff. They're really out there. Like we're like there's certain people, and I'm not saying this is bad or anything like that. But people always say it's like you, when you come to church, you better be in a suit and a tie, better get dressed up, and you better be like this. And you have your Bible. And you gotta look at the pastor, and every time he makes the point, you say Amen, because that's the law of this church. You see, no, <laughs> they're all good. None of it's bad. If you want to dress up, I dress up to church sometimes. But look, let's not get super duper religious about it, okay? Let's not get, like I talked a little bit about it last week. You guys remember that? Like certain churches, let's just get, um, let's just go ahead and get down to the nitty gritty really quick, okay? Like the Catholic church, okay? The Catholic church believes that in order for you to, in, in order for you to be able to uh, take communion, to, to, to drink the grape juice and eat the wafer representing the blood of Christ, which we're going to do today, guys, okay? Which we're going to do today. Taking communion is, is uh, taking a, uh, uh, biting the wafer or bread or crack or whatever it is, representing the body of Christ, okay? And the grape juice representing the, the blood of Christ, amen, okay? And then Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He never said, do this, but before you do this, take a class. Uh, this, this course, and then if you pass it, you go ahead and do it. He didn't say that. He said, do it. He said, do it, okay, in remembrance of me, so that we may never forget the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ did for us, okay? And then we have, this, like, it, and then we have the second thing. And I'm, I'm saying this out of experience. You guys heard from me last week, some of you, that, look, I, I did these classes, okay? I never did the second class, which is called the confirmation, I believe. And if you don't take that class, you can't get married, that's, that's their law, okay? You see, nowhere in the Bible is that found. And if you don't take that class and you get married, you're not going to go to heaven. That's, that's, that's one of the rules that they put. You see, that's not found in the Bible. In order to get to heaven, you must be, well, amen. That's it, right? Praise the Lord. You see, that's earning your salvation. No, no, no. You don't need to take a class 
and pass it in order to earn your salvation. You understand me? You, need, you go to heaven by believing and confessing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and believing that he resurrected on the third day. Amen? And living the lifestyle of a Christian. Amen. So the Pharisees are super-duper religious people, okay? And then we have the, the teachers of the law, and they muttered, This man, and they're talking about Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them? What in the world? This guy's crazy. Let's keep on going. Verse uh, 3. Then Jesus told this parable. Suppose, and this is, this is the part where you're going to highlight right here. Verse 4 is the part you're going to highlight. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Verse 5, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Come on, somebody. Okay, can you imagine that? Okay, look. So Jesus is saying, like, look, hold on, hold on. You're telling me if, if you had a, a, a flock of 100 sheep and you lost one, you're telling me you wouldn't leave that 100 sheep because they're there, they're 99 sheep because they're there for a reason, okay? They could take care of themselves and that's a, to go after that one lost one. You wouldn't do that? And he said, what did he say? He said, and put it on their shoulders and joyfully bring it back, right? right? Put it on the shoulders. Can you believe that? Like, so who, who is the lost sheep in, in, in the world, right? People, some people in here maybe, okay, if you do not accept Jesus Christ in your life and you're not serving him to the fullest potential, look, you're considered a lost sheep, okay? Let me break it to you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here uh, to bring you bad news. I'm here to bring you good news. And the Bible is already judging. I'm just letting you know what the Bible says, okay? Amen. Okay, so, look, you go, your job is to go out, bring the sheep, put it on your shoulder, and bring it to church. Amen? <laughs> All right? So, Marty, your job is to go to your high school, get some 202-pound guy, put him on your shoulder, and say, come on, you're coming to church tonight. Come on. And you put him in there, and you're like, you're staying here, Mr. Lost Sheep. And boom, you're all like, yeah, your broad shoulders, you're all swole after that big hike. Amen. Okay, so look, that's the lesson, okay? Bring the lost sheep, put them on your shoulder. I'm just kidding. Amen. Okay, let's go to verse 5. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his uh, friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not repent. Now, what, what does Jesus say there, right? Like, what, what does he mean by that? What, what, hold on, righteous people. How, do you guys, how many of you guys know what righteous is, right? Think about the key word in righteous is right, okay? It does the right thing all the time according to the Bible, right? So, so uh, let's see, the heaven and the angels rejoice more over one sinner that repents over 99 righteous people who do not repent. It's like, wait, righteous people don't repent? What does he mean by that? You guys ever caught that before? You see? It's like, man, what in the world? No, you see right here? Somebody say, Jesus got a sense of humor. That's right. He's saying that. He's like, you see, he, he'll rejoice. If there's a hundred lost sheep or whatever, the heavens will rejoice. The angels will rejoice. They're having a party all day up there. You understand me? When one, one, every single one of you accepted Christ in your life, that day, the angels in all of heaven rejoiced upstairs. You understand me? They were having a good old time. And he's saying, look, when one repents, it's, it's, uh, the angels are rejoicing, and they like it a whole lot better than 99, quote-unquote, righteous people not repenting. You see? Because the Bible says if you're righteous, man, you're, you're living for the Lord. You're, you're, hey, part of, part of living for the Lord is repenting because we all sin. 
Okay? We sin every single day. Okay, we ought to repent every single day, multiple times if you have to. You understand me, okay? Let nothing get in your heart. Always let it out. Say, Lord, I repented. I just lusted or I just uh, uh, gossiped about this girl or whatever, okay? You say, Lord, it's yours. I'm, not, I'm giving it to you. So you see, he's like, so one person who actually sincerely repents to the Lord, the angels rejoice in heaven versus that, the 99, quote, unquote, righteous people that think they're okay. You understand me? How many of you guys have ever been evangelized and you know, talked to somebody and be like, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm going to heaven too, I'm going to heaven too. But you know they're not born again, guys. I mean, come on. The, the world and the society we live in say, hey, you become a good person, you're okay. You're okay, just be a good person. Every once in a while, help an old lady cross the street and give the charity and pass out turkeys. Okay? You're okay. Yeah, you're okay. You're going to heaven in that sense, right? It's like, no, 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 no. That's not how the Bible says that's not what the Bible, the Bible says that in order to enter the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. Amen. And he says, and, G, and Jesus says, if you love me, you'll follow my commands. Am I right? If you love me, if you truly love me, you'll follow my commands. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, he says, Jesus says, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So he said, everybody, like, so everybody here says he's your Lord and Savior. But if you're not serving him to the fullest potential, okay, and you're not serving him and you know you're not, you know who you are, but yet you call him your Lord and Savior. You're not right with God. And he's saying, look, those people who say I'm their, uh, I'm their Lord and Savior does not mean they're going to go to heaven. It means nothing. It's just empty words. Okay? Amen? Got a little deep, but let's keep on going. All right. So the angels rejoice. Okay? So we, we got the, the, the highlighted part is verse 4. Suppose one of you have 100 sheep, etc. Okay? So let's go to the next parable. What's the next parable? The parable of the... Of the lost coin. Amen. So let's go to verse 8. And this part, verse 8, you're going to highlight or mark down. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Somebody say the one. Amen. Okay, the next parable, the parable of the, the lost son. Amen. So let's go ahead and read that right now. Verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Sister, can you put my mic down just a little bit, please? There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his, uh, to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between the two. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off to a distant country. And there he squandered his, his wealth in wild living. Living? He was living the Vida Loca. You understand me? He was, going to, he was doing some, some sinful stuff out there. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen in the country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He was so hungry, he was so starving, that he wanted the slop that the pigs were eating. 
That's how hungry he was. He had everything going for him at his father's house. He left that all behind because he wanted to live a certain lifestyle. He wanted to have some more fun. He wanted to do this, that, and the other. And then it got to the point where he just got so broke, busted, and disgusted that, look, he, he ended up being starving and wanting to eat what the pigs were eating. Let's go to verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like uh, like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Highlight this part right here. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This son, this son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ringer on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Highlight verse 24. For this reason, for this, I'm sorry, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, uh, he has them back safe and sound. The older brother came, uh, became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look! All these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when his son of you, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but is found. Somebody say the one. Come on. You guys understand? You guys, you guys are starting to get the parables a little bit now? You see, these three parables that Jesus shares with us describes two very important things. Two very important things. The first thing that it describes to us, it describes Jesus' mission while walking on this earth 2,000 years ago. His mission was a very simple one. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 10, you don't have to turn there for me, but you can mark it down. Matthew chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came... To seek and to save what was lost. That right there 
elevate is Jesus' mission on this earth. That is why he came. That is why he came here. That is why he suffered. That is why he died on the cross. That is why he spent three years ministering to the lost sheep of Israel so that we today may have a chance. Why? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So he was looking for the lost, and he didn't just stop there. He saved them. He saved them. You understand? Somebody say, save them. You see, the second thing that the Scriptures describe the four scriptures that I, I asked you to mark down shows the top priority of God. The experience of forgiveness and a relationship upon the one. See, that's God's top priority. The experience and forgiveness and a relationship upon the one. That's God's top priority right there. You see, let's, let's go ahead and review the, these uh, four uh, scriptures. Number, the first one I said uh, was verse 8. Or suppose a woman uh, has ten... I'm sorry, no, no, no. It was verse 4. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine and, uh, in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Somebody say the one. He wanted to find the one. He wanted to, he left the 99 to go find the one. Verse 8. Or suppose a woman who uh, has 10 silver coins and loses one of them. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Somebody say the one. The second one. The third one. Verse 24. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began, so they, they began to celebrate. He was lost and he was found. Who was lost? The one. Who was found? The one. The last one. Verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Who did he kiss? The one. The one, guys. If God's priority, elevate, listen to me. If God's priority was to save what was lost and to show forgiveness and relationship and a relationship to the ones who know nothing of it, what do you think our main priority should be? If that's God's main priority, to save the lost, to show them forgiveness, to show them to reconnect the relationship that they have with them, that, that the Lord desires to have with them. If that's his main priority, what do you think ours is? What do you think ours should be? Our main priority to be that should be that same thing, the one. If we need to invite our friends to church, we need to plug into the lives of the lost. You understand me? Whatever it is. The lost, if it's friends from school, if, if, it's, if it's people you don't even know, like I was saying before uh, the worship, before the announcements, I was saying, look, guys, it's time. It's time to step up because we cannot be still right now. Elevate was at a certain spot. It was kind of like in the middle. It was, yes, our spirit, our spirituality, our hunger for God was growing, was growing. But you see, the disciples were not. You see, amen for growth within your hearts, but you see, we need growth within the lost as well. Amen? You see, so look, we need to start inviting our friends to church, guys. Our friends from school, invite them to church. Bring them over. Hand them a flyer. 
If you see that one person sitting alone at the lunch table and you don't know how to evangelize just yet, just sit next to them and be like, hey, look, I don't know what's going on with you, but I know that Jesus can help you no matter what you're going through because he saved me. And what do you do? You use your, your second most powerful weapon that you have, your testimony. You share your story. How would you come to Christ? It doesn't have to be like, wow, crazy. I was a drug dealer. Now I was a game banger. Now I was an alcoholic. And then God changed me. No, it doesn't have to be like that. Not all testimonies are like that, guys. I think I'm the only one. Maybe Robert. <laughs> but you see, look, some of you don't know me. Like, I was an early stage alcoholic before I even turned 21. Crazy. I didn't know the first. When I was 18, I had my first beer. Like, actual, I actually liked the beer. I was like, mm. I'm like whoa. It was before a baseball practice. What an idiot. And, yes, I, I think I got hit with the ball that day maybe, too, because I was, like, walking out there. Guys. Look, I did not know that day where I was like, yeah, I want to be cool. I want to hang out with these guys. My, my senior year of high school, my first day I drank a beer, I did not know that two years later I would be addicted to it. Okay? Does anybody plan that in life? No, of course not. Of course not. Did I know my first puff of a cigarette uh, meant that I was going to be addicted for it, to it? No, man. Of course not, man. You see, we don't plan these things. What do you plan? You plan for a good future. You plan is like, yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna become this, this, and that, and I'm gonna have a great life. Nobody plans I'm gonna be an alcoholic. I'm gonna be addicted to cigarettes, and I'm gonna do this and that and the other. Nobody puts that in their plans. They try to avoid those things. But you see, the devil has a stronghold on certain people, and he had a stronghold on me. You understand me? And he can have a stronghold on those friends of yours. He can have a stronghold on those people that you know you should be talking to. You know you just smile and say, hey, Jesus loves you. It could be just that. It could just be just that. And that could make somebody's day and plant that seed in their head. You understand me? It could plant it and say, what? Jesus? Who talks to me about Jesus? Whenever we go evangelize, we're like, hey, I need to ask you a question. Oh, yeah, sure, what's up? You know what Jesus Christ is? They look around like, cameras? Am I punked? Like, what do you mean? Like, Jesus is almost never spoken about at school. You know what I mean? And that's something that needs to change right now. That's something that needs to change and will change in the name of Jesus. Amen. We will declare Jesus Christ in our schools. You understand me? We will declare Jesus Christ even more on Protestant because it's there. It's there. We're going to declare more upon Foreman. We're going to declare more of the blood of Christ on Sin, on Roosevelt, on, on Leyden, okay, on every single school, okay, every single school that we that you guys go to. Claim the blood of Christ. Claim salvation. You go there. Don't just go to school. <sighs> Man, First period stinks, man. This guy farted next to me. You know what I mean? Like, no, just don't don't think that. You you walk around the halls and be like, Lord, he's yours. Lord, she's yours. Lord, Father, right there. That person right there, right there. Look, get in that book in the locker. She's yours right there. God, that person sitting alone on the lunch table, she's yours. He's yours, God. You go to school, you're sitting down in class. Yes, you're paying attention. When you get that break, okay, study break, okay, good. Lord, Father, that person by the window, that's yours. And I declare the blood of the Lamb upon his life in the name of Jesus. You start praying, God. Prayer is effective. Prayer is strong and it works. And it will continue to work. And you need to practice it like a muscle. Okay, like a muscle. You want to get a bigger arms, a bigger chest. You need to exercise, right? You need to take some time. Look, guys, it's the same thing. You want a stronger prayer life? You want God to move? You exercise your prayer life. You exercise your evangelism. You exercise your faith in God. Knowing and declaring what God can do and will do in your life and in the life around you. The people around you, guys, you can have an effect on the one. Somebody say the one.
he or she is yours. Bring that sheep. If you need to put that person on your shoulder and drag them to church, then by God Almighty, you're going to do it. Amen. You're going to do it. Okay, because that's, if that's what it takes, and that's what it's going to take. Amen. Come on, somebody. Look, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I've been doing, I've been doing that. I've been, you know, I've been, I've been praying around my school and, and I've been talking to one or two people every once in a while. Then that's great. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. But guess what? Now it's time to push yourself just a little bit harder. You understand me? Look, now if you're, if you're talking to one or two friends, now it's time to step it up to three or four friends. You understand me? Come on, somebody. Look, turn to your Bibles to Romans chapter one. And this, this right here, look, if you're afraid, if you're slightly nervous, and we all could be, I could get nervous at times. If I know I'm going to a neighborhood where it consists of people that are really going to challenge my thought process, you know what I mean, play around with their words and stuff like that, I'm sure I could get a little nervous too. God, pastor gets a little nervous too. Okay, I'm human. Okay. But look, does it stop me? Oh, heck no, man. I will never let the devil get that victory over me. You understand me? Even even if that person just, just baffles me. He's like, what in the world? Like, hold on, dude. Whatever you said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. But look, I know something that's real, and that's my testimony. Look, if all else fails, you cannot rely on your thinking alone. You understand me? you got to rely on the Word of God. You quote the Bible. You quote what God has done in your life. You say, you know what? I don't know what made you think the way you think, but let me tell you what happened to me let me tell you let me tell you what happened in my life to make me believe and make me so on fire for god the way i am now two years ago this and that and the other i was like this and i was like that i came to god and he changed my life and now i'm like this how in the world do you explain that how do you explain that how do you explain me sitting over there crying out to God to change my life and he took away my alcoholism and my addiction to cigarettes in the same night? And I have not had an addicting thirst for the past three years. Come on, somebody. That ain't science. That ain't science. That's God. Only God can do that. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. If you get nervous, if you feel yourself getting a little timid talking to that person, I want you to memorize this scripture. I want you to highlight it up and down in your Bible. I want you to mark it, circle it, do what you need to do. Put it on your forehead so you read it in the morning. Make sure you put it on backwards so you can reflect off of it right. Amen, okay? Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it because of it is the power of God for the salvation of of everyone who believes. Not some people. Not just for good people. But yes, it means salvation for the game banger. It means salvation for the cutter. It means salvation for the depressed person. It means salvation for your teachers. It means salvation for your principal. It means salvation for your neighbors, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your cousin, your grandmama. You understand me? It means for everybody. Salvation for everyone who believes. Come on, somebody. Do not be ashamed of the gospel, for it was the gospel that saved you. It was the gospel that changed you. It was the gospel that revealed your destiny within Jesus Christ to you. It is the gospel that has done everything in your life until now. 
and it will continue to move. Can I get an amen, somebody? I need some help preaching, man, because I can't do this on my own. You understand me? Sure, I got the Holy Ghost in me right now. Sure, I got little goosebumps, and I'm shaking, and I'm baking, and I'm moving, and I'm grooving. But look, 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 look. Can I get an amen? That's all I need. Come on, somebody. Encourage your pastor. Amen. Look, it is the gospel that changed you, man. It changed me, and it will continue to change lives. You share the gospel. The gospel translates to what? The good news. The good news of what? The good news that Jesus came on the, came on the earth, uh, did his ministry for three years, sat on the cross, resurrected on the third day, and look, now we have salvation. That's the good news. The, the good news is that you can't be saved, you do not need to go to hell, you go to heaven, but you need to serve God. That's darn good news. That's darn good news, man. That's awesome. Ah, yes! Put that away. Shooting the guns up the good news. Ta, 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 put it away. Now it's over. You walk away super cool. You understand me? You just go away. Yeah, that's the gospel. You hand them that fly. You say Jesus loves you, okay? Come on, somebody say the one. Come on, somebody. Look, let's go to Romans chapter 15. Let me get an amen when you're there. Take your time because I need to get some water. <laughs> okay, Romans chapter 15, verse 20. This will be our closing, one of our closing scriptures. It has always been my ambition. Now, this is Paul speaking to the, uh, to the church of Rome. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. You see, what is your ambition tonight, Elevate? I want to focus on that. Sure, it, 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 this, this one verse points out a million things and you could dissect this thing and it's gonna be awesome but right now i want to focus it has been my ambition to preach the gospel where christ was not known is christ really known in your school guys come on think about that what is your ambition tonight elevate we must be like paul and preach the gospel where christ is not known how bad do you want to see people in your school get saved where Christ is not known. Is Christ known in your household? Because, come on, man. I, I, let's be honest here. It's not really known in a couple of my, my family members' household. You understand me? It's not known in, in a lot of the schools here. It's not known in certain neighborhoods of, the, uh, of this area. You understand me? It's not known. And it should be our ambition. It should be our fire, our fuel, our desire to go out and preach the word, where, uh, the word of God, and preach Jesus where Jesus is not known. Come on, somebody. Come on. If all you know, okay, if all you know how to do right now is invite people to Friday nights, then you're doing what God has called you to do. You understand me? Do not be ashamed, guys. Look, how many of you guys have been being discipled more than uh, six months? More than six months. Raise your hand if you've been being discipled more than six months. Amen. How many of you guys have been being discipled less than uh, two months? Raise your hand. Okay. Those of you who have been being discipled less than two months, look, don't, don't, like, don't feel bad if you're not at the level of somebody who's been being discipled for six months or a year or two years. You understand me? Don't be ashamed of that because we're all on different levels right now. But look, if you, as long as you pass a flyer and you say, look, this Friday I have an awesome youth group, awesome pastor, pretty handsome guy, okay? Just come on through, 7.30 p.m. Look, it'll bless you. It will bless you. You understand me? You can leave out the, the handsome part. It's okay. But if you want to say it, hey, that's okay with me. But look, you're speaking the truth. No, I'm just kidding. But look, 
Look, guys, if all you know how to do is that, it's okay. Don't feel bad. It's your level right now. Look, if you're getting discipled, guess what? Within six months, you're going to be like, whoop, up here somewhere. You understand me? You think, where, where do you think I was in six months? Man, it took me three months to get to, uh, after being saved to get discipled. Some of you got discipled, boom, on the spot. You got saved, you got born again? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, you, you loving Jesus right now? Yeah, uh-huh. Guess what? You're starting discipleship Friday, five, five o'clock. Be there. Amen. Okay, that's how it goes. It's, it took me three months to get there. Okay, I was, I was, I was Mrs. Slowski, man. I was just like taking my time with it. But look, man, if you're getting discipled, if you're getting discipled, the potentials for you are endless. Okay? But do not feel bad where you're at right now. If all you could do, like I said, is pass the flyer and say, Jesus love you, then look, you're doing what God told you to do. If you could preach hellfire and brimstone, then praise the Lord, you could do that too. Amen? Okay, if you could, if all you know how to say, hey, look, if you, if you want to go to heaven, you need to become born again. If you want to learn more, come to my church. If that's all you know how to say, then praise the Lord. Okay? Look, in discipleship, that's where you learn how to preach. That's how you learn uh, uh, more of the Bible. That's how you learn how to evangelize, okay? Es- especially my guys, amen? I, I do uh, real-life scenarios in my discipleship class. I'm like, okay, well, I'm this guy, and I'm Mr. Atheist. What are you going to say to me? You know what I mean? We, we, do, we, do, we do play-ons, man. Look, it's all for the glory of God, okay? Sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes it can be like, oh, I don't know what to say. It's okay. Okay, that's what discipleship's about. It's about learning the Bible, and it's about getting it's about getting, come on, it's about getting, amen, that's what I'm talking about, getting that one, guys, okay? Look, and right now, Susie's going to go ahead, Susie and Liz is going to go ahead and pass a, a chunk of flyers to you. We're going to, we're going to, whoa, we're going to blow the thing up, you understand me? It's going to be done, okay? And Layla, if I can have you on the keys, please. It's going to be done. We're going to blow this out of the water, guys, because I cannot wait to see these seats be filled, okay? Not for the sake of numbers, but for the sake of disciples. You understand me? These seats are going to be packed with people with open hearts toward the gospel, and it is going to be because of you. It's going to be because of you guys. You understand me? How many of you guys want to make an impact in your school? Raise your hand. Come on, man. I want to make an impact, man. I want man. Boy, if I was saved at your age, that would be something crazy. You know, Pastor Joe, when he got saved, he had a friend, I forgot his name, but he's going to be coming in March for the five-year anniversary here at Metro Praise. He's an evangelist. He's an awesome evangelist. And Pastor Joe keeps on, what's his name? I think Wayne. Yeah, he keeps on talking about, I, I think I'm talking about the same guy. I think so, okay? Don't quote me on this. But nonetheless, I know for sure when Pastor Joe first got saved, one of his closest friends got saved during high school. And he got, he started preaching in his lunchroom. He got a whole bunch of people saved. Because of his boldness, because of his fire, he did not want to stop preaching. He preached and he preached and he preached some more. And he saw soul after soul after soul come to Christ. And some of those souls that he preached to, some of those lost sheep that he preached to in his lunchroom, are now pastors today. Come on, somebody. That's a testimony, man. You know what I mean? And look, even if it's just passing out a flyer and having, having a small talk with somebody could do that. It's not always about preaching, 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 preaching. It's about the relationship aspect as well. It's about loving on them. It's about showing them, hey, look, yes, I'm Christian. I'm not weird, I promise you. You know what I mean? A lot of people are like, you're Christian, you're jumping in service? What in the world are these guys doing? What are they doing? They're weird. 
And I was in the back. I remember I came in. What? I came in. I'm just like, hey, you know. And I'm just like, ooh. And I'm just like backing off slowly. I'm like, what in the world are they doing? They're jumping crazy. Like they're in a concert. Like they're jumping to Jay-Z or something. And I'm just like, what in the world? And I, I could only imagine how it is for some of you. You know what I mean? The first time, how many of you guys remember the first time you came to Elevate and you saw some crazy radical Christians on fire jumping for the Lord? Okay, if this is your, how many, how many guys is the first time here? First time here, anybody? Have you ever seen anybody jump like, like we do? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> look, man, look, it might sound crazy, it might look weird, but look, man, it is awesome. You know why? Because we glorify God. We glorify God and He's worth it. The Bible continues, it's always talking about rejoicing and dancing and singing new songs from your hearts and singing songs to the Lord and playing instruments unto Him and, and doing it corporately as, as, as a group and doing it individually by yourself. It's always talking about that. We're just following the Bible, guys. Is that okay? Can we follow the Bible in church? Come on, somebody. Amen. Don't feel weird. Don't feel bad. Don't, don't, don't feel nothing but Jesus. You understand me? But look, guys, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, our closing scripture. Come on, somebody. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you in Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Talking about Jesus. So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. The real righteousness. You understand me? Righteous people who actually repent. Righteous people who go into God and know what to do and how to do it. You understand me? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Come on. We are his ambassadors. Ambassador. A diplomatic, this is actual definition, a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a government to represent it on a temporary mission. So if you're an ambassador of Greece, you're representing Greece. If you're, represent, if you're an ambassador of the United States, you're representing... Amen. Okay. So a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by the government to represent it on a temporary mission. You, you elevate, are officials of the highest rank sent by God to represent a mission. Somebody say the one. You, Elevate, are ambassadors of Christ, representing heaven and God and righteousness to the fullest degree. And you are on a mission. You are on a mission. And you are ranked the highest because you are children of God. And you have the highest calling in your life. You are called to the one. So everybody just close your eyes for me real quick. We're going to go ahead and make this altar call. 
See, when you go out and speak to someone about Jesus, you better make sure you're standing on some good foundation, knowing that you are ambassadors, knowing that you are representatives of Christ, of God, knowing that your mission in life as ambassadors is to retrieve the one. Now we're going to go and take this time.